Well, it's good to be back in normal uh, again. Uh, it's kind of hard to believe that 40 years ago, my wife and I, we lived here and uh, had the privilege of working with uh, students at ISU and, and ministering here in the, in the church. And uh, some of you, I think we've seen a few that knew my wife as Miss Bell uh, when she taught at the school. And, uh, and then she took on the name Haman, and, uh, and I've, we've enjoyed uh, 40 years now. And so, uh, but it's good to be here. Uh, and it's, it's amazing to see some of the changes, uh, good and bad, around, around the city. And, uh, and that's really kind of what I want to talk about uh, this morning, is change. Uh, so many people struggle with the changes of the world, changes in their lives, changes. I mean, we see it everywhere. And so how do you deal with that? And, as, and we're not, you know, as missionaries, we really understand uh, what change is like. Uh, we're in the middle of a, of a really big change. Uh, we've decided to retire off the field. Uh, it wasn't quite 30 years, as was just mentioned. Uh, it was 24. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, it was, it, it was a really difficult decision to say, okay, we think it's time. Uh, you know, after 24 years, we, we were comfortable in that culture. We were comfortable in Slovakia. We had made so many friends. We had had opportunities to minister. We had seen people come to Christ. We had seen people grow. Uh, and, you know, there's always more to be done. And so that was a very difficult decision to make, that it was time to step back and, and let other people do the work. And that's a big change. And, uh, you know, when we went to Slovakia, it was a big change. The, uh, I mean, can you imagine, we, we, we left, we, our girls at the time were six and nine, and uh, we went to a country that, you know, we'd, heard, we'd, we'd visited once, but we still didn't really understand the culture. We didn't understand uh, a lot of what was going on. And we, so we changed location. We changed food. We changed language. Uh, we changed kind of the dress code, you might say. Uh, we changed smells. You know, every once in a while we would joke about, you know, we wish we could send scratch and sniff pictures back to America so you'd understand what some of the things that was going on. You know, we changed smells. Our friends and neighbors were different. Uh, church traditions were different. Uh, and the people just, you know, people thought differently. They, it wasn't wrong. They just thought differently. Uh, one of the first things that we came across was we were in church one, one morning in uh, Podolajska Bitsko Pizza, and two of the older ladies kept pointing at our daughters, and we weren't quite sure what was going on, and, but we found, we found out that we had dressed them like we always did in America, and they didn't have tights on. Their, their legs were, you know, the skin was exposed, and this was March. And uh, that just wasn't something you did with kids in Slovakia. You had to, you know, the skin had to be covered from, from September till May. And, uh, and they thought we were being bad parents for, you know, our kids were going to get sick. It wasn't wrong. It was different. 
But, you know, it's those things that build up that, you know, a lot of missionaries just have a hard time dealing with that, and eventually they leave the field. Uh, they're little simple things, but it's change. And missionaries aren't the only ones that have to deal with change. All of you have to deal with change. So how do we, as believers, deal with change? Um, you know, one thing we like to do is we, especially as you get older, you like to look back and go, oh, it was better in the past. Uh, don't we all do that a little bit? Maybe the kids don't do that yet, but, but some of us that are older, and some of you, I, you know, I, I remember you from 40 years ago. Uh, I haven't changed, but you have. <laughs> but we like to reminisce. Uh, you know, in some ways, we reminisce about living here because we enjoyed the Midwest. Uh, I remember, you know, my, my grandparents were farmers in the southwest corner of Minnesota. And so I spent a lot of summers on the farm. And uh, those were good times, you know, with my cousins. We would, we would go out and help Grandpa bale hay. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And my grandpa really loved it because he had free help. And uh, I learned to drive a tractor before I could drive a car. And uh, so, you know, we reminisce back to those things. But it doesn't solve the problem. You know, it wasn't really better back then, believe me. There were still problems. So how do we deal with change? Especially, you know, if you, if you Google change, the stress of change, or if you Google, you know, what are the high-stress events of life, you'll get a list kind of like death of a loved one. Okay, we understand that. Divorce or separation. Moving from one city to another, long-term illness, job loss. Notice that the middle one is just moving. You know, we think of moving from one place to another as a simple thing, but they say it's one of the most stressful things of life. It's a big change. If you ask Google again, well, how do you deal with that? it will give you another list of you know, things to deal with the stress of moving. And there, most of them are pretty good ideas. But in my experience, they really, have, they really don't help a whole lot. Um, so what does help when it comes to change? What is the problem with a lot of these suggestions that are made if you look at Google? Well, the major problem is they don't begin with God. And as believers, we, not, we, need to believe, we need to begin with God. Because change is part of God's plan. We need to see change as part of His creation. Change he made us to change. And that's my first point. Change is normal. We shouldn't shy away from it. At the very beginning, what does the very first verse of Genesis talk about? 
in the beginning, what happened? God created the heavens and the earth. Is that not change? He goes on, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, he says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, uh, of heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What's he talking about there? He's saying, Adam and Eve, have children. Does that change? What happens when you have a baby? Does that change your life at all? It's exciting when a young couple announces that they're going to have a child. It's exciting for them to prepare and get ready for that child to be born. It's exciting when that child is born. And then you start watching the changes in that child. And it's sometimes they seem to be every day. Sometimes, you know, they're not as fast. I was kind of reminded of that the last two months. We've been taking care of an uh, eight, nine-month-old boy, friend of my youngest daughter's, who has moved to Sanford, North Carolina, where we are at. And so she would bring him over once a, once a week, and we would take care of Benny. And, uh, and it's just, you know, you're reminded of your own kids, you're reminded of how they change, how that, you know, they, they get to that point where they're trying to move, and then they roll over, they figure it out, they get the, they get the arm and the leg out of the way, and they can roll. That's change. And then they, they figure out they can sit up. And then they, they notice that, you know, their parents are walking around on two legs. So, you know, got, there's, there must be something to that. And they, but, you know, they, they crawl, and then they, they finally pull themselves up, and they take those first steps. And that's exciting change. And we celebrate that. Those are changes we like. You know, we love, the, we love it when they start saying words, you know, sounds and then words, and then, and then they start putting the words together, and then they make full sentences, and then you can have a conversation with your kids. That's a lot of fun. But you know, they grow up. And eventually, they move out. They get their own apartment. They go to university. I remember... You know, my, my oldest daughter liked to, to run. Now, I'm not much of a runner. I would rather get on my bike and ride, you know, a good, you know, she, she wanted to run marathons, and I would rather do 100 miles on my bike. But I would run with her because it was an opportunity to spend time with my daughter. And uh, so we would run, and, and I would suffer through it. And then she went to university. Now, for us, she went to university here in the States, so she was... Nine hour, nine, ten hour flight away. You know, wasn't quite as close as we would like. But it was different. You know, running just didn't mean the same thing. It was a change I didn't like. You know, I liked all those other changes when she learned how to speak and talk and, and walk. But now I didn't like that change. 
And then I started realizing something was happening to me. You know, I was changing. You know, the I was getting pains that I didn't really couldn't explain. You know, the hair started turning gray. Some of us, the hair just starts falling out. Or for most of us, older guys, you know, that turn gray and fall out. And uh, there's a little, you know, I start wearing a hat because it's kind of cold up there. Those are not changes that we like. Um, When I turned 50 in Slovakia, one of the ladies came up to me and she, she said, Boli Niecho? I'm like, which meant, does that something hurt? And I'm kind of like, I wasn't quite sure if I understood, you know, is she really saying what I think she's saying? I wasn't sure what, how to answer that. And she told me, I mean, she said this, and then she repeated it, you know, bowling the echo. Finally, I said, yeah, my, my shoulder's hurting a little bit today, but, you know, what's that have to do with it? She says, well, that's good, because so, when you're over 50, if something doesn't hurt, you're dead. <laughs> and isn't that, I mean, it's, you know, things are changing. We don't like those changes. And sometimes we wonder, you know, God, why do you, why has things, why have things been planned this way? What are you doing? And that is especially true with our parents. You know, we start watching our parents get older, uh, and then they die. My My dad died 25 years ago, or 20, almost 30 years ago now. And that was hard for me, because I no longer, he was my best advisor, you know, I'd always could feel like I could go to my dad and ask questions. And uh, he was no longer there. That was a change that was rough. I had to struggle through that change. And that was hard. But I came to realize that God has designed our lives that way. He designed change into all of creation. And he did it for a reason. We were created to change. But there's another truth we need to remember along with that truth. And that truth is that God does not change. Psalm 102, verses 25 through 27. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. All of creation changes. You and I change. But God never changes. He's not like us. You know, sometimes I think we have the idea that he's just a bigger, more powerful, smarter human. But he's not. He's on a completely different plane. He never changes. Can you get your mind around that? Can you really think, okay, can something in this world never change? 
If you think about that for very long, you just you, you almost feel like you're going to go crazy because everything changes eventually, except God. He is not like us. God is unchangeable in His character and attributes. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Do you like good gifts? What does Scripture say, say to us? God is the one who gives us good gifts. Now, we may not always recognize them as good gifts, but what he gives us is good because we have a good God. His love never changes. His mercy does not change. His wisdom does not change. His knowledge does not change. His justice does not change. And he promises us good things. Before we went to Slovakia, one of the things that got us, at least got me thinking about going back into missions was a good gift. But it didn't seem like a good gift at the time. I was down in Florida on a missions trip. That's a good place to go for a missions trip, don't you think? We were putting a roof on a servicemen's center for missions to military. And uh, no, I did not fall off the roof. But after, the, after putting the roof on, we started a volleyball game. And I went up and spiked the ball. And when I came down, there was this sickening, crushing, uh, cr crunching sound. Oh, was that painful. I broke my leg, my left leg. I ended up in surgery for five hours. But you know, it put me in a hospital bed and the missionary there gave me a book. And I read through that book and it got me thinking about going back to the mission field, going back into missions, working with foreign students or, or, or whatever. And that was a good gift from God. Because he was directing me, he was changing the direction of my life at that time. So sometimes we don't see them as good gifts, but eventually we see that God is the one who gives good gifts. But God is unchanging in his plans. Psalm 33, 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Once God has determined to do something, it will be done. In fact, God claims through Isaiah that no one else is like him in this area. What does Isaiah 46, 9? Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things uh, not yet done, saying, my counsel will stand. I will accomplish my purpose calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of counsel from a far country. I have spoken, and I will bring, to bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. You and I can make plans. 
And sometimes we can complete those plans. Sometimes we can't. Why is that? Because you and I are not powerful. We can't control the weather, for instance. We can't control what other people do. Sometimes we make plans, and then we find that we cannot do what we said we were going to do. Last furlough, that was six years ago now, five, six years ago now, I was to speak up in Laverne, Minnesota. That's where my grandparents were in, or had been, and this was the church that they had been part of where my parents grew up. It was April, and I flew up to the Twin Cities and visited some relatives up there, and then getting ready to head back down to the southwest corner of Minnesota. And the worst April blizzard on history hit. Complete whiteout. Couldn't go anywhere. My uncle and aunt, we, we realized there's nothing we could do. We put puzzles together for the day. Uh, I had made a plan. But God had, other, God had other plans. It was not my plan, but God had other plans. He is powerful. He is wise. He knows what he's doing. And that is also true with change. Every change in our life is part of his plan. And that goes along with his promises. His promises are unchanging. Numbers 23.11, or 19, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? Or Malachi 3.6, For I am the Lord, for I the Lord do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Well, what's Malachi saying? I mean, think about Malachi. He is a prophet to the children of Israel. The children of Israel are acting wickedly. And it appears at the time that they are being destroyed. But he's reminding them of the promises that he made to Abraham. I will make you of you a great nation. And I will bless all the nations through you. That was a promise made by God. He says, it looks like I'm destroying you. But I am not going to destroy you because of my promise. His promises do not change. Now, you, you, you're saying, Jerry, you know, that's a nice theological speech. It's good theology. We do not change. I mean, we do change. The world changes. God does not change. But we have to ask ourselves a question. How do these truths help? Or as you could put it another way, so what? Why is it that God allows these changes in our lives? Why is it that we get old? Why is it we break arms and legs? Why is it things deteriorate? You know, you have to repair your house. Why is it relations change? 
We go Romans 8, 28, 29. And we know that all those things, those who love the Lord God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What's Christ trying to, what's God trying to do to us? He's trying to change us to be like Jesus Christ. The unchanging God uses changes in our lives for us to get to know him better and to act and think and do things like Jesus Christ. All these changes are first to bring us to Christ. You and I were born in sin. We were sinners. We were rebels against God. And God uses changes to bring us to Christ. I mean, we all know John 3.16. What did, what did, you know, God so loved us that he sent his son. God changed his position. Jesus Christ came to earth, became a man, so that we might know him as our Savior. God uses changes to bring us to faith. And this should not surprise us. For the last year and a half, we were were in Slovakia. We were dealing with Ukrainian refugees. I can remember, you know, the war was announced on February 24th. That's almost two years ago. And on the 25th, we had Ukrainian refugees living with us in our home. And you start asking yourself, why is God allowing this? This is a terrible event. People are dying. They're suffering because of all the bombing. And yet, through contacts that we have in Ukraine, through people, uh, through different, different avenues, we have been hearing time and time again of people coming to Christ in the midst of this war. Many of them who probably would have never gone to a church unless there had been a war. We've been sent pictures of baptismals, and almost all of them are my age. I mean, these are people that grew up under communism and probably had never gone to church. Or if they had, it was only once in a great while. And through the war, God had made them think and they had gone to church and they had become believers in Jesus Christ. And then they had followed obediently with baptism. God is at work even in a terrible thing that we hate. And that war in Ukraine is a terrible thing. But God is at work. But it's not just in Ukraine that that happens. My grandparents, when they got married, were unbelievers. They were farming with my great-grandfather. 
uh, in Minnesota when the Great Depression hit. They had four farms that they had been farming, and they lost, I think, all but one of them. And my grandfather had to move, my, grandfather, my grandparents had to move from Minnesota down to Moline, Illinois, because that's where he, he found a job on the railroad. One morning, they, were, they looked out the window of their, of their apartment, and they saw these people walking down the street, and they had books in their hand, and they didn't know what it was. And eventually they realized that they were going to this church down at the end of the block. And those books were Bibles. And they decided one Sunday, well, why don't we go down there? Let's find this, let's find out about this. And so they went down and they started visiting that church. And after a few weeks, both of them put their faith in Jesus Christ. And I can remember many times my grandmother would look, at, would look at us. Generally, I was with my cousins and everything. And she said, the Great Depression was the best thing that ever happened to us. Because it was through that they became believers in Jesus Christ. Can we say the same thing? Can we look at those difficult changes of life and see what God is doing and be able to say, you know, that was a great time because God was at work. A few months before we left Slovakia, our pastor uh, preached the message. Sergei, he's, he's, he's got a He's got a, a, an amazing testimony himself because he grew up in Ukraine. Uh, his parents had abandoned him and the Lord brought him to Christ through some really difficult situations. But he preached a message and essentially the, the whole message revolved around one question. What is your life anchored to? And he went through a list. He said, maybe you anchor your life to money. Maybe you anchor your life to power or a political movement. Or maybe it's anchored to your husband or wife or your strength and abilities or your intellect or to a job. And that's a great question. What do you anchor your life to? If it's, you know, so when you look at the things that we anchor our lives to, like a job, like even a spouse. Those things will change. Those people will change. And when they change, what does that do to our lives? It brings us that stress or we just fall apart. What do we do? And what is it we have to do? We have to anchor our lives to the unchanging God. And when we do that, our lives will not collapse. Susan, a while back, reminded me of a, of a couple, an older couple, when we first got to Slovakia. 
And in some ways, it was a humorous thing to watch. In some ways, it wasn't. Uh, the man had become hard of hearing. He couldn't really hear well. And, and getting hearing aids is was at that time difficult in Slovakia. And so his wife would yell. You know, They were always yelling at each other. She was always yelling at him. And it wasn't that she was mad. She was just trying to communicate, help him hear. But then her teeth started hurting. And she suddenly realized, you know, whenever she yelled, her teeth would really hurt. So she stopped yelling. And here, this older couple, they were having a hard time communicating. Um, and what did that do? That put a stress on their marriage. It tested their commitment to each other, and it tested their commitment to God. Because they had changed. We need to anchor our lives to the unchanging God. To His promises, His truth, His justice. I think that's one thing that we don't think about a lot these days. That God is just. And all those terrible things you see happening in this world, God will be just in the end. We need to trust the God who is always with us. There's never going to be a moment He's not with you. We need to trust the God of power who can strengthen us in our lives. We need to trust the God who is wise and can give us wisdom. We need to trust the God who keeps His promises. He will always do what He says He will do. We need to trust the God who has promised to never stop loving us. The God who never changes. How do we best deal with changes in life? It's by anchoring our lives to the unchanging God. No matter where you live, whether it be overseas or here in normal Illinois, we need to anchor to the God who is in both places, who is in all places. We need to strive to know Him intimately. And when those changes occur, they will not destroy us. Rather, they will strengthen us. They will guide us. My prayer for you this morning is that you will anchor your life to God, the unchanging God the one who promises good for all of us. The God who loves us. The God who loved us so much that He sent His Son to die for us. Is your life anchored to this God? I pray this morning that you will anchor your life to Him. Let's pray.